This is the EWN Podcast Network. We all have lives filled with stories. Their stories make us who we are, and they are all important. Welcome to Epic Stories. I'm your host, Jean Tillery, and I want to share a story with you. This is episode 13. 13 has always been a lucky number for me. I was born on the 13th, Friday the 13th to be precise, and that may explain a lot, but I digress. I'm excited to bring you my interview with Mary Kay Campbell. I actually did this interview almost two years ago. I was prepping to head off on my road trip and was excited to meet another storyteller. Mary Kay has 30 years of communication experience. She is a TEDx speaker, a former public speaking professor at North Carolina State University, and a public information officer. So she knows about telling stories. But what I was really attracted to in her story was her ability to adapt and grow and change and become who she needed to be. We start out talking about our superpowers, another word that I've never really liked because it seems rather shallow and meaningless. Yet, after our conversation, I started to appreciate it more than I ever have. What's your superpower? Do you know? Hop on over to my Epic Living with Jean Facebook page and tell me what you think it is. Since our conversation, Mary Kay has transitioned her business and with her new queen of moxie, she helps women move through the difficulties that we experience in life, whether it's an empty nest, aging parents, or discontentment with our jobs. She will help you find joy, fulfillment, peace, and purpose, all while having fun. She's also started her own podcast and has a wonderful motivational newsletter. Check out my Facebook page for more information. And now, on to our interview. There you go. So anyway, so we're talking superpowers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when multiple people come to you and say, that's your superpower, you have to stop and listen. And, you know, f- I never, ever thought anything about my ability to connect with others and my ability to tell stories, whether it's written or spoken word. And it really was hearing it over and over again when I realized I need to listen. Yeah. And um, it feels like I'm being arrogant when I say that's a superpower, but I've come to recognize that, no, it's, it's being, it's recognizing what it is that you have, what gifts you've been given. Well, and and two things I want to say. First of all, since I just started recording this after we've been talking for a while, um, I want to mention that we did talk about how we thought everybody was like this. So it was right. hard to identify it as a superpower right. because you're like, oh, I'm, I don't understand. You know, my husband is a salesperson. And my favorite story before we got married, or right after we got married, um, we were supposed to meet at this restaurant that's in a hotel and I was getting off work and he was going to meet me or I was going to meet him there because he got off earlier than me. And I walk in and he's sitting at the bar next to this guy. So I just walk in and you know, sit next to Dan and kind of listen into what they're talking about. This guy just got out of jail. And my husband is 
knee deep in this conversation with this guy. And I just had to laugh afterwards. I'm like, well, you know, nine out of 10 other people would have never said more than that's nice. Nice to meet you, whatever. After he got into that, I just got out of jail. I mean, literally just got out of jail that day. And I said, you're one of the few people that would just Right. Go from there. And it was kind of funny at the time, but when I look back, I'm like, like you said, that is one of his superpowers. That's what makes him so successful as a salesperson. Right. Sure. And I think I've been getting, doing a better job of coming to terms with superpower as a word. Yeah. Because everyone has one. Oh, at least one. Yes. And, and so it's not like this is my superpower. I'm Superman and you're not. It's what is your superpower? Right. Um, and I think when you change that and get people thinking about what is it about right. me right. that makes me unique that I can do that nobody else can do. And it's not necessarily nobody else can do it, but maybe they don't enjoy it. Well, I was talking with my mentor recently and I was talking about superpowers and she said, I don't really know if I have any superpowers. And I said, you absolutely, absolutely do. do. I said, the thing with superpowers is that you don't realize it's a superpower because it is something that be, that comes so naturally, is so intuitive. It is just truly part of who you are that you can't possibly imagine that it's something extraordinary because you do it without thinking. And she said, oh, and I said, and I told her what I thought her superpowers were. And, and one of them is that she is able to communicate difficult things to people and they feel engaged and supported and positive. And so she can make anyone feel great at any given point. Mm-hmm. And she does development work and, yeah. and it fits perfectly with her superpower. And she's like, oh, but I just do that. And I said, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the point. That's how you know it's your superpower because you don't think about it. Well, and and I love the thought that people are able to design a career, um, a business, if that's where you're going to, around your superpower. Right. And that if there's something that you're just really unhappy in the job that you have or the life that you're living, maybe it's just time for you to step back and say, you know, really, what is my superpower? Right. And I like the fact, you know, like I, like we said earlier, I had a problem calling it superpower. It just seems so egocentric to me. Yes. But really... It isn't. I mean, it's it, no. it's very enlightening because it gives you authority and ownership over something that you're good at and gives you the, hopefully, the mental boost to go out and hunt it down. Well, it gives you that confidence that this is something I should be pursuing. And right now I'm, I'm in the process of starting a book called Step Into Your Joy, Stepping Into Joy. And it's all about following your passion, following that space and and living in that space where you are authentic to yourself and are contributing in the way that is the most meaningful. And something you said earlier, uh, before we started recording, I, I kept thinking, oh, I've got to tell her about this. I think that we are often given clues or um, people, messages, whatever, come into our lives and give us that little tap on our shoulder to say, you might want to think about this. Yeah. You might want to pursue this. And for more than a decade now, people have said to me, you really should be 
doing your own thing. And, you know, I just started the heart of storytelling and, you know, it's a couple months old and I am happier than I have ever been. But 10 years ago, I, well, actually, let me back up even more than that. So 14 years ago, I got divorced from an abusive man and I felt really led to share my story as a survivor. And I did, I volunteered to be part of a panel at at UVA that was talking about this topic. And as it got closer, it got more and more scared because my ex-husband works at UVA. And I thought, oh my gosh, if he finds out, what's he going to do to me? I mean, I was terrified. And it wasn't physical abuse. It was mental and emotional, which has such a lasting impression. And it's so destructive to who you are and your confidence and, and believing in, in your essence. Uh, it, it's just really destructive. And so this was, you know, shortly after we had gotten divorced and, um, I was doing a Bible study at church and we were studying the book of Esther. And for whatever reason, I, um, was a couple of days ahead and the scripture and the lesson for the day that I was going to be giving this, this panel discussion. It talked about when Esther was being called to a time such as this, and she knew that if she came forward, she would surely face death. I mean, like that was the the law in the country. And, um, but she knew that she needed to do it. And the whole lesson was, what are you being called to do right now that you're scared to do and that God is there with you? And so I did, I did the panel discussion. So, you know, that was 14 years ago. Then I don't know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. I was at a a women's retreat at church and we were talking about what brings you bliss. What is it that when you're doing it, you light up, you're on fire. It could be making pottery. It could be singing. It could be anything. What is it? And and the keynote speaker said, I know you're going to be sitting there and saying, I can't say that. There's no way I'm sharing that. That is nothing. It's kind of this yeah. whole superpower thing. And um, and she said, I don't want you to discount it. I want you to share with the person next to you. And I thought of three things. And two of them, I was like, absolutely, I can share those, no problem. The third one, I was like, oh, heck no. I am <laughs> not sharing that. There's no way. So they'll get up and move. <laughs> well, I was just like, that, that, when I tell you what it is, I think yeah. you'll understand why I'm like, oh, uh, you know, someone in her 30s should not be saying this. So I had led the Vacation Bible School program for three years at the church. And I, you know, I got up in front of the the whole congregation and got them singing and doing cheers and chants and, you know, like super excited and energetic and and cheerleader. You got it. The woman sitting next to me patted my knee and she's probably in her mid sixties at this time. And she said, okay, Miss Cheerleader, what are your, what's your thing? And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I cannot believe you just said because my three things were writing, public speaking, and cheerleading. Yeah. And, and was cheerleading the one that you didn't want oh, to say? Absolutely. What 30-something single mom of two kids says that you want to cheer? Yeah. You know, and I had cheered in high school and college. And what I loved about it was the sport itself. Yeah. But what I pull from that is I really love motivating people and and getting people behind things and getting them excited. And so through written and spoken word, I can utilize 
those skills of enthusiasm and excitement and get others excited about something. Well, you know, it's really funny because I've never, I've never put two and two together this way. Um, But I'm a cheerleader too. I, and I have run into situations over probably the last five years where both of my parents have passed away. I think my mom was almost 20 years ago and my dad a little longer than that. Um, So those are your natural cheerleaders. So it's come up, like I said, several times in the last couple of years. And who are my cheerleaders? And why do I need, as I'm an adult, why do I need a cheerleader? Um, But I just have found that I do so much better mentally when I have somebody in my corner, you know. Sure. And and my father-in-law, for example, who I love dearly, but he was very pessimistic. And everything into the glass was always half empty. And he never, to me, and I'm sure he did because he was just different, really enjoyed things. I agree. Um, And so it was really interesting as I look back through time going, you know, how detrimental that atmosphere would have been for me, needing a cheerleader, but being around a bunch of people who weren't. So, you know, I think grasping that knowledge of who you are and who you're not could really help a lot of people and say, you know, I don't get cheerleading at home from my family or my husband or my whatever, but to know that you need to find somebody in your life, whether it's a friend or a therapist or a business partner, who's going to be your cheerleader because it makes so much difference. Um, since I started the Dream Manager program, I actually work with a Dream Manager And she has been my biggest cheerleader during a time when I really needed it. Because I'm stepping out and doing things I would never have done. Um, And I don't think I could have done it unless there was a cheerleader. So it's it's funny that you were worried about that because I think it's the most natural, most important thing out there. But I'm a cheerleader. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think it's the terminology of, um, you know, so often people associate certain personality traits and intel intellect um, with cheerleading. And, um, you know, I was on Dean's list every semester in college and I went to one of the top three journalism programs for grad school. And, you know, I always felt a little uh, like people were making an assessment of me based on the fact that I chose that as a sport. I was also a diver and a gymnast and nobody questioned those. That's an interesting perspective. Oh, well, and even in undergraduate, um, uh, there was a girl who was in one of my advertising classes because I I was an ad PR major, and um, she wrote horrible, horrible things about us in the school newspaper. And it was devastating, but it was also, you know, you sit right next to me in class, you know that I'm intelligent. Yeah. Why are you doing, and and, you know, there's lots of reasons why people do that, Um, but I hesitate to use that term, but at the same time, it you know, I, I am somebody who really wants to support others and encourage them. And um, even just yesterday, I had someone who called me and said, you know, I can be myself with you and I can, I can just relax. And I, I, you know, you said you wanted to do things together and I really want to, and I really appreciate your offer to do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but they also say that the, I think it's six, but I could be wrong on the number. The, the six people that you surround yourself with the most have the most impact yep. on your life. Yep. And so. Who's at your table? That's it, what, that's well, what exactly. Sandra likes to say. Who's at your table? Yeah. And, you know, I always say, who's in my tribe? Yeah. You know, these are, these is, this is my tribe. And um, I think it is vitally important to be cognizant of who you're surrounding yourself with and the kind of energy that you're putting out into the universe and what's coming back to you and making a conscious effort to really focus on the things that are positive in your life. Um, You know, you know this, but we we haven't discussed it yet. It was a very bad car accident in February and I could have very, very easily died. And I also could have been paralyzed. I could have been brain dead. I mean, there are a lot of things that could have happened. I was going 60 miles an hour in a soft top convertible and a person pulled in front of me and my car rolled. And I have a traumatic brain injury as a result. I had to get abdominal surgery. I had 17 stitches and staples in the crown of my head. I still have a bald spot right here, you know, but most of my hair is growing back. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy for that. But, you know, I mean, it's been five months and I sat in that ambulance. We had just moved to a new community five months before, and I didn't really know anyone. And I thought, who am I going to call to come get me from the hospital? I'm a single mom. And my daughter was with her dad, but she's also was only 15, doesn't have her driver's license yet. Like, I literally was like, I really don't know what I'm going to do. It's okay, though, because I thought of a woman who I'd met through the soccer team, another mom. And she was amazing. And she came and she got me at 1.30 in the morning. She left her four dogs, two cats, four kids and <laughs> husband and slept on a, this big cushy chair that was outside my bedroom in the family area and took my dog out and went and got my medicine and, and just made sure that I was okay. And then I also remembered that I I interacted twice with a woman down the street whose daughter was the same age as my daughter. And texted her and she is an ICU nurse and getting her PhD in nursing. And she came down and made sure, I know, made sure that I was okay, cleaned my wound, um, checked on me. And I met her twice, you know? You know, and, and this just really, I have to say this for two reasons. I love the fact that you reached out because a lot of people... Would not do that. Um, my mom died in 2002. Um, she had had breast cancer. She had had breast cancer started when I was very young. I was ninth grade, so that was a long time ago, more longer than I want to admit. Um, and back then, cancer was kind of a no-no, and she didn't talk about it much. She didn't share it much. My dad took care of her. We took care of her, and it was very close-knit. Um, fast forward way past the point that they say you have don't have to worry anymore about it coming back and it came back and it was everywhere um in her spine and in her head and she struggled and i was in in, in virginia and she was in texas and at the same time well actually right before my mom we realized that her cancer was back my dad developed colon cancer mm. so they were both in the hospital and it was a totally different atmosphere they had to they had to pull people in. And my mom talked about how hard it was for her, yeah. even all those years later. And cancer is now a totally different it thing. Is. And she had very, very, very close friends and close friends that they helped get through things. Yeah. 
but yet she still had a problem. It was still very hard for her to reach out. Well, you know, for me, getting out of an abusive situation meant that my, my kids were two and five when I got divorced. So my daughter had started potty training and then regressed. And, you know, so I still had a child in diapers, you know, at this point and, or pull-ups really. And I had to learn to be completely independent and I wanted to make darn sure that I was never going to be in a situation where someone (gasps) could hold anything over me, you know, because my ex used to say, you can never live on your own. You can never make it on your own. And, you know, me, yeah, you know, all the, all those things. And, um, what became difficult as, as I grew, you know, from surviving to thriving, was I, did you see that I had written that down? Oh, did you talking about? Okay. <laughs> uh, is that I became so independent that I didn't want to count on anybody else, mm-hmm. and it I can't remember exactly what the pivotal moment was, but there was definitely a time in which I realized, and it was something I read or you know mm-hmm. TED Talk something where it's actually arrogant to not accept help. And and it's hurtful because the people who are asking really, truly want to help you. And and you would absolutely do it for your friends. And that's the thing I find so funny because I I think nothing of, of doing anything. Absolutely. But I, you know, I'm not to the point that, you know, that my mom was coming from, but I I do have a hard time asking for help. And it's, it's interesting because as you were telling your story, I was sitting there in my mind going, okay, if I was in that situation, who would I call? Right. right. And luckily I do have a couple of people that I know I could call, but what if they weren't there? Well, but my, my network was here in Charlottesville, yeah. an hour and a half away. So could I have called them? Yes. But I, I didn't feel comfortable calling them in the middle of the night. I mean, and, and that's part of why... I made the decision, quit my job, sell my house, move back to Charlottesville and start my company. Yeah. Because you never want to have one of those moments where you're literally hit over the head with something. Because I quite literally. Over and over. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I just rolled, you know, 360. But, you know, I, it was a moment where I realized we are absolutely miserable in this community. Don't ever move in a pandemic with a teenager. Okay, just don't do it. It's <laughs> awful, but it was awful for me too. I'm an extremely outgoing and um, gregarious kind of person. And so not being connected with people and not having that social network was incredibly difficult. And Zoom just didn't cut it. Yeah. Um, so there were a number of factors that made it difficult to be in a new community at that time. But it became crystal clear to me that what I had been led to all of these years, constantly having people say, you should be doing this. You should be a motivational speaker. You should be a writer. You should, you're a beautiful storyteller. All of a sudden it was, this is what I need to do. And there wasn't, it, it's so difficult to explain but there wasn't the fear, there wasn't the doubt, there wasn't 
all of the things that typically come with going out on a ledge. Yeah. And you still have kids at home. So I it's do. not like you just have to worry about yourself. You're Correct. making family decisions and right. leaving what's known. Yes. And depending on yourself again. Yes. But you've you've shown you can do it. Right. So right. what was your first step? What was the first thing that you had to do mentally as well as physically to say, okay, I'm on my own now and I'm going to start my own business? You know, I mean, I, and I think it's important to differentiate. I've been on my own, which I never thought I could do, you know, for 14 years, but having my own business. Yes. But, and that's where I was going. That is, you know, because that's, it is very, it could be very frightening. It has not been for me. And I, you know, it's that understanding that surpasses all reason, you know, like why in the world Am I not scared? I have yeah. a, a son in college and a, a daughter who is a junior, rising junior in high school. So uh, I clearly have responsibilities beyond myself and my puppy, who you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think sitting in that ambulance and recognizing that my tribe wasn't with me and, and that we were miserable where we were was a big part of it. I think that... I, you know, I have a traumatic brain injury. I cannot work full-time right now. It's not an option. And five months ago, I was much, much worse. They do an impact test, which is a computerized test that measures your cognitive ability. And my processing speed at three weeks after my accident, because that's when I could get into the orthopedic concussion specialist, was 16%, one six. And... By the time I finished physical therapy, which is remarkable that you can do physical therapy for brain injuries. Brain injuries, yeah. Amazing to me. Um, it was at 64%. Mm. Now, you know, I joke. I'm like, that's still a D in my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my point is that I was not able to do the things that I would normally do. And I still can't. And so part of it was, well, I can start my own company. And I can do this on my schedule on, you know, what works for me. And so if I need to sleep a little longer in the morning and then get up and and have a couple hours of power working and then go take a nap, which is pretty much what I have to do five, six days out of seven. Yeah. I do that. And I have to ask for a lot of grace and I extend a whole lot of grace because my brain will literally just change a word. It's close, but it's not the right word. And often I don't even know it until someone said something. Yeah. So for my birthday, I had my some friends over my tribe and I was talking about something and I said fire hydrant instead of fire extinguisher. And they all kind of looked at me and I was like, what did I say? <laughs> I was like, what? And they said, do you mean fire extinguisher? Or they, or they said something like yeah. fire hydrant. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't even know I'd done it. Yeah. And one time I sent an email and I, I wrote the word medium. And I thought, this isn't right. But I couldn't figure out what wasn't. I was like, I don't think this is the right word. And I was like, I don't know. So I sent it. And then later I was like, oh, I meant median, uh-huh. the average. Yeah. And I my brain just switches things. So I have to extend grace to myself. I have to extend grace to others. Um, but it, I don't know that it was a pivotal moment 
I think it was a combination of, of 14 years and having this, this injury that literally left me sitting there going, I could be dead. And I don't want to live the rest of my life waiting until I get to that place where I can enjoy things and do the things I want to do. And, you know, something else that I've got to share with you because I think that you'll really appreciate this is my daughter graduates in two years and it's been me and my two kids for a really long time. And I've dated some, but not a lot because I've poured my life into my children And I recognize that in two years, I better have another life outside of them. And so I have been thinking about this for years and starting to do some things that were really fulfilling to me, filling up my cup. And um, I have recently decided that I think, I recently decided that I think I might. I might. I have to, you know, I still have more research to do, but you know, moving here, I'm renting right now, which I haven't done in like 20 years. So all of a sudden I have flexibility. Like I can leave, I can pack up all my stuff and put it in storage and go somewhere. Yes. Take my dog. And so here's what my plan is. So when my daughter goes to college in August in two years for mm, 12 weeks or so for the whole fall, my plan is to sell off a bunch of stuff, put a bunch of stuff storage. And because I have my own business and I can do it anywhere, I'm going to go to Portugal for three weeks, Italy for three weeks, Yay. Spain for three weeks, and Greece for three weeks. Of course, that's going to be more Portugal, Spain, Italy, yeah. Greece. And then I'll come back and I'll rent an Airbnb for November and December so we can have our holidays. And then my thought is I've always wanted to be in a cook coastal town. I don't want to go too far north. I don't want to go too far south. I lived in Florida for 12 years. I don't want to go back there. And so I think I'm going to go to historic Wilmington because it's a college town and it's beach community. It's kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'll buy something that's already renovated or do it myself. I don't think I'll, I'll hire someone to do it. Um, but a craftsman home in the historic district, and I'm going to live there But in the summer for three months, I'm going to, I have a friend who's from Greece and she's found me two places where I can go for three months in the summer, bring my dog and have internet and do my business in the summers from Greece. Um, And it's like a hundred dollars a week, like, you know, and rent out my house in Wilmington for the summers. I love it. And I love it. And and there's so many parts of that that I love. Um, Obviously, you know, the whole dream manager program, we're, we're basing, you know, where, where do you want to be? Um, what do you want to do and what's important to you? And then obviously that checks all those boxes. Um, the whole reason I do what I do is because I love the fact I can work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, society has changed Absolutely. And, and we are greater nomads than we've ever been. And, mm-hmm. and I'm still surprised that I run into people who haven't, you know, left their state. Or, you know, they live in Virginia, they vacation in Florida, and that's all they ever do. They never go anywhere else. And um, and that's okay. If you're not comfortable, I certainly am not putting you down. But there's a big, beautiful, amazing world out there with yeah. a lot of big, beautiful, amazing people. Um, and I think everybody should try to at least see some of it. And I love the idea 
of going somewhere for 12 weeks or, well, you know, three weeks at a time. Right. But so that's just, you're not flying through. You're not flying over. You really get to absorb the people and the stories. Yes. um, The history. I love all of that. Um, That has always been my thing when I travel. You know, we took a cruise one time and we did all the different excursions. And when we came home, people were like, oh, wasn't that the greatest vacation? And I'm like, well, I mean, it was okay. But I hated spending three hours in some tourist area of a really cool town if you didn't have time or, you know, the ability to really figure out what that place is about. So I think it's really neat that you consider doing that. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. I I would have never been where I am now had I not gone through all the things I went through. And one of the things— Okay, wait. That is so important. Say that one more time. I would never be where I am if I hadn't gone through all of those things. Did you guys hear that? Um, It's really easy to complain about where we are or what we're going through, but the other side can really be magnificent. Oh, it's spectacular. And, you know, would I like a life partner? Absolutely. But you know what? I'm really happy. I am really happy with my life the things that I'm doing, and all of these possibilities in front of me. I, I mean, the world is my oyster right now. And I, you know, I cannot wait. And I love the fact that I get to enjoy it right now. So five years ago, I was part of a riff um, at my job. And it was one of those things where I came in and I, I had a sense that it was coming, but I couldn't line up a job before before it happened. And my CEO said to me, you're going to continue to be employed through this month. You'll have your benefits, everything. You'll have some some severance, um, but you don't need to come in. So I was like, okay. And I, ironically, my children were going on a two-week vacation with their dad. So all of a sudden, I don't have to go to work. My kids are gone. And I don't know what, I, you know, like, and, and it had been a really difficult, stressful time because of some so dynamics at work. Yeah. And um, I mentioned to a a friend of mine that I'd always wanted to go to Italy and Greece. And I had looked at airfare that wasn't crazy. And um, and I had called all my my friends far and wide to see what they were doing. But it was like the next week or two weeks later. And nobody was free. And so I was like, okay. So I, I mentioned this to a friend. And she said, I just met someone who just moved back from Italy. You should talk to her. So I literally got connected with her on the phone told her some of my story, told her that I wanted to go to Italy, but I wanted to go in the Tuscan region in small villages. I didn't want to go to the touristy things. I really wanted to see what the culture was like and interact with the people there. And she said, well, you need to stay at my house. Now she lives here. But she still has a house there. She st- at this time, she still had a house there. So I literally bought an airfare, bought airfare to go to Italy, rented a car, got a train ticket, only thing I had planned was that I really wanted to take a cooking class. And so she set me up with someone who did, uh, who's from California, who lives in Montepulciano, and, and she does a cooking class. And so, um, and she has a bed and breakfast. And just, so I got to stay in her home in the Tuscan mountains for free. And it was this gorgeous five bedroom home with a gourmet kitchen and a pool. And I mean, it was just spectacular. And I knew no one. I didn't speak the language. I didn't have an itinerary except for this cooking class. And I literally just went. And it was 
so amazing. My favorite part, I have so many favorite parts, but one of my favorite parts was I just would literally get in the rental car and go. And I'd ask the locals where I should go and what I should do. And everybody thought I was Italian. I am a quarter Italian, but I don't know, you know, but I would walk in and say, you know, and and I'd start, you know, asking how they were. And then they'd start speaking Italian really, really fast. I'm like, oh, 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 oh." No, you know, and like, no, no, you know, uh, I can't even remember it now, but, um, and one of my favorite things is I went to this small village. I would have to look in my journal to tell you what it was. And they were having some sort of festival with a soap opera star. And I was like, I don't care about Italian soap operas, but I went into this cathedral and this Baroque ensemble was warming up with the mezzo soprano. And I sat there and listened and then they, they broke. And I said, when's your performance? How much is it? And it's, and they say it's free. It's in 15 minutes. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Cause class Baroque classical music mm-hmm. is my absolute favorite. So I sat in the front pew of this cathedral and I listened to this amazing, amazing ensemble. And if you've ever been in a cathedral, the music just echoes and fills yeah. you. Lifts you up. Literally fills you up. You can feel it in every fiber of your body. And I sat there listening to this amazing music. And had I not taken that opportunity, I would have I would have missed out on so many things. And and my my dad literally sent an email to my brother, sister, and I telling me that he was really worried about me and should I go and have you checked with Homeland Security and have you registered with them and like all of these things. So my family is very much the pessimistic, yeah. everything's going to go wrong kind of personality. And so I am like the black sheep without it. <laughs> no question. I'm Everybody's worried about you because you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, it, it, which is crazy. So I, in response to that, I was really angry at first because I was like, are you kidding me? I've owned four homes at this point. I've been raising my children alone all these years. Like, do you really think that I don't know what I'm doing? So I sent in my itinerary with the travel insurance and the points of contact and, you know, all of my entire thing. And I I was like, that's all I did is I just sent that. And then I did make sure and checked in with them every day because I knew that they were genuinely concerned. This is their daughter. I will always be their daughter. And they were worried about my Well, you know, this brings up a couple of points because we talked about your tribe. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure if we were recording when we had this conversation, but, you know, uh, surrounding yourself. Um, and I'll even go a step further and say, you know, surround yourself with people that you want to be. Yeah. Because you're going to always learn. Um, Sandra talks about having your different tribes. And she goes, you know, your family may not really be the tribe that you need. You certainly can't cut off all right. contact necessarily, but they may not get you and what Absolutely. you want to do. And and that's okay, but that yeah. doesn't mean you need to change what no. you want to do for them. You need to be yeah. who you are um, and be respectful like you were. Right. Um, and don't take it personally like you tried not to. Um, because not everybody gets it, but the right. thing that's beautiful, you're sitting here telling your story and I'm getting tears because that is really what my whole focus is with this whole epic living, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter where you are or what your circumstance is. You have the choice to make your life epic. Yes. And it's not always easy and it doesn't always work out, right. but 
you got to put it out there. And I mean, where would you have been if you had this idea about going to Italy and not told anybody? Right. And all of these things come through and somebody could listen to your story and go, well, she's just really lucky and say, that's just kind of the end. I'm going to say this. And this is another phrase like superpower that used to always irk me, but it's proven me wrong over and over again. The universe will conspire for or against you. For or against you. Without and help. if you put it out there and you say, this is what my dream yes. is, yes. it may not totally look like what you envisioned originally. My dream trip, I had somebody driving other than me, and I had a trailer, a, um, Airstream, you know, we were pulling. But it's not exactly that in reality, but it's still my dream. Right. And And right. no matter what it is that you have in your heart, yeah. You need to put it out there. It's amazing. I have had a vision board for, I don't know, at least a, a decade. And, um, you know, for your your listeners who don't know what a vision board is, you know, when you take those images and those inspirational words and the things that you want, those are your core things that, that you want to have in your life. And I, um, like I said, I've had them for over 10 years now. And so they've changed over the time. But I was doing a presentation one time um, for, ironically, I think it was the VEC. And I was talking to some some women who were um, didn't have a college education, were really trying to figure out how to get ahead and, and, and be successful in life. And I, for some reason, I talked about the vision board. And as I was standing there talking to him, I had this epiphany because on my vision board was going to Italy and a TED talk. Well, I'd done a TEDx talk a couple of years before that and financial security. And I, I had paid off my debt and like, I had like four main quadrants and I had done three of the four things. And it, it was interesting because I think so often we are always looking towards that next thing. What do we have to do next? And we don't take the time to, to sit in that joy yeah. and to say, I put that out there and, oh my gosh, I got laid off, but I went to Italy (laughs) for for 11 days or 14 days or whatever it was. I mean, my goodness, like who gets to do that? You know, and like recently I had cleared my schedule for a potential client and then they didn't need me. And my kids were with their dad for a week for vacation. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to go to Annapolis. (gasps) So I went to Annapolis um, the 5th of July. So, you know, like literally like what, a week and a half ago, yeah. um, just drove there for one night, got a little Airbnb on, on, you know, the downtown area and, um, the, went, went sailing, you know, Dogging. okay. <laughs> so here's, here's the irony of this. I know um, you want to play. I know my puppy. Um, I happened to go the Monday and Tuesday before the, the plebes reported on Tuesday, so that Monday night, there were hundreds of 18-year-old, mostly boys, <laughs> thinking that they were the hot stuff. Oh, I and, You know, they're incredibly bright. I know what it takes to get into an academy. Um, but they were literally jumping into the canal, you know, at the harbor. And, I mean, you know, with all that oil and stuff floating on the top and throwing a football across it. And, you know, just yeah. being silly, really, really bright, geeky, 18-year-old Boys, boys. <laughs> uh, and there were a few girls, but not not very many. Um, 
But, you know, I was like, well, I have this time. I'm going to go to Annapolis. And it, it's all about taking taking those risks, taking those things. And I, do you mind if I go get something to read to you? No, please. Okay, let me get it. Because it's, it's so perfect for this. In the meantime, I'm going to sit here and play with Jake, the dog. Absolutely. You want some water? Yes, I would love some. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So I have to kind of laugh about the vision board. Um, I was also, I used to not be a fan of vision boards. Really? Um, But I I realized it wasn't the vision board itself that I had a problem with. It was like, let's have a vision board night and everybody bring a bunch of magazines and sit down. And so, you know, the magazines would have nothing to do with what I, so then I had to kind of force my visions to match whatever I was cutting out of the magazine and that didn't work. It wasn't until I had a, um, (laughs) I worked with a business coach who said I absolutely had to do one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this sucks. And I go, I'm not going to do it. He said, you have to do it. So I said, well, I will do it on the condition that I can get online and find the pictures that I want. And he said, yes, I will let you do that. So my, and it is funny because I usually have it in here. I know, it's the gift you were looking for. I I usually have it taped in here. And on there, it has um, health. On there, it has um, Panama. My husband loves to go to Panama and fish. And so I just, the ability to travel. It has speaking. It's, it, was, it was like so much like yours. I was laughing. Um, and it is. It is on my, in my cabinet, in my bathroom. It's on my desk. It's my screensaver. I have it everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, just like the Dream Manager program. When you put that stuff out there and you see it, it becomes so much a part of you that you naturally, even without thinking, make the decisions that move you towards those goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's funny to go back and like you said, go back and look and think all this stuff that I did. And I laughed about the the chef, the cooking class. So on my dream list from the beginning was I wanted to take a cooking class from a French chef. And I envisioned in my mind, something like you did. Well, during COVID, obviously that wasn't going to happen, but I thought it was really cool. I'm part of the membership at um, Monticello, not member. Yeah. I remember Monticello's museum, membership so I get all these emails from them and their chef at Monticello was doing an online cooking class and I thought well that sounds really cool I'll do that and he was a French chef we had this beautiful French dinner nice. um and you know they send you all the lists and you got all the ingredients and then did a right. zoom meeting right. walked you through it and and I had a total blast mm-hmm. not even thinking about the fact that that had been on my dream list Absolutely. for years but it was and I out there. loved it and my husband was gone so I didn't I cooked for two and it was just me um, but it was great. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's taking the risk, just putting yourself out there. Yeah. So what have you got to read for me? Do you want to record it? It's still on. Oh, I thought you had turned it off. Nope. I was just checking to see oh, what time because I laughed because most of my interviews are like 20 minutes. I always have to talk to my editor going, I'm sorry. It's like way long, but that's okay. How long is it supposed to be? There's no rules. No. I own the place. It's you do recognize that I'm very verbose. So. Yeah. Well, I am too. I'm a storyteller. All right, so when my dad sent me the email, like, trying to convince me not to go to Italy, and honestly, at that point, I'd already reserved everything. Yeah. So it's not like I wasn't. Right. It was like three days before I left. I'm like, Dad, I already have my tickets. But I also sent him this. And it's a tribute to Mark Twain, but I am not sure that he really truly is the author. But it says, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do 
than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. I love that. I do too. And actually, that is really the perfect ending to this interview because I also came here to cook lunch and I'm starving. Yes, it's it's 1230. Um, and we could probably sit here and talk for the rest of the afternoon. Um, but thank you. Absolutely. I really appreciate And you know what? We never, since we jumped in, I never even got a formal introduction. So here at the end of the interview, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Who? <laughs> I was thinking I'm such a backwards interviewer. You know what? I thought you might just add it in the editing process. So oh, I, I, I usually I, do. I was like, oh, well. Um, I always like to hear people say, though, right. what they do, because they always have such a right neat perspective. So lay it on me. My name is Mary Kay Campbell. So just think of the cosmetics and the soup, um, right? I know. I just say it because everybody's thinking it, particularly the makeup, and I'm allergic to it. So there's some irony. So I'm Mary Kay Campbell, and in May of 2021, I opened or started The Heart of Storytelling, which is all about helping individuals and businesses and nonprofits find their why and share it in a compelling and meaningful manner. And that can be through the written word, through video, through spoken word. I also am a motivational speaker. I'm a trainer. I do media training and public speaking. I taught it for six years at NC State. I can do public speaking in my sleep. And I do strategic marketing and communications. But my real passion is that storytelling element. Which is probably why I love you so much. Because, you know, my tagline is it's all about the story. I know. Um, And that. Just fits so perfect. So thank you again. And let's get on to all the good stuff. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the story, let me know by sharing it using the hashtag Epic Stories Podcast. Or leave a comment on my Epic Living with Jean Facebook page. Head to my website, epiclivingwithjean.com, to learn more about what it means to live epic. While you're there, download my free guide, Seven Ways to Start Living Epic, to take your first steps. If you'd like to learn more about my Dream Manager program or just want to chat about what Epic might look like in your life, reach out and we'll set up a call. See you next time. I hope you go out and live Epic today and every day. And remember, it's all about the story.